there are uh, some goodies on the back table for the children, the bags with the, the bags. <laughs> there, right? And for the adults, there are bags and boxes on the um, left side from, from this perspective. And so David and Angie brought those. So those are for the children and for the adults in the back on your way out. Christmas bags, very nice. So it's nice to have the children come and sing. That's always a, a treat and a pleasure. And uh, as I've mentioned several times, I, I have not, in my ministry years, done much in the way of Christmas messages because I believe they all are. But today we're going to do it a little different. I will talk about Christmas today and what it means and save people what they have in Christ. And so for Christmas time, and your memories of Christmas we'll talk about this morning. What's Christmas mean to you? I remember in my mid-twenties when Christmas, the idea, the meaning of Christmas took a, a wild turn. As I began to study scriptures and look at the things the Bible says, watch the world and what they do. And this is a fascinating thing to me, and, and it offends many, but I, it's fascinating to me. People who don't believe in Christ at all, Christmas is the biggest day of the year to them. I don't understand it, but it is. The biggest day of the year to many people who don't even believe in Jesus. And of course they go completely the other direction with it. But to you, this morning, Christians, what does Christmas mean? What is, it, what is the meaning of Christmas? What do we do with it? And so we talk about these things this morning. I want you to look at some verses that are very familiar to us. But let's look at it from the slant of the gift, the real gift from Christ. And so at a time, at a time we remember, and the children are real wide-eyed in this time of year. They're wide-eyed, they're looking around, they're excited about Christmas. And I remember being that child. I remember when Christmas was all about the things of gifts and presents and the uh, for me, out of school was a big part of it. But the general feeling of kindness that, that pervades society is interesting. It's, there's a general uh, feeling of kindness and charity among people that it lasts for two weeks. Why? Interesting. And there's a hustle bustle of uh, Christmas time, and, and uh, my wife has, has done a lot more hustling and bustling than I have. And uh, our house is really cute. It's darling. Precious, I'd say, but that's beyond words, so I don't talk about it. It is very nice. It's Christmas time. Family's coming on Christmas Day, and we're excited about that. Um, it was fun when the kids were little. Now it's more fun with the grandchildren. It's just a fun day. But we look at it from a perspective of Christians. And so there is that busyness, and everyone knows what I'm talking about, of trying to pull off the perfect holiday, the special day, make it all just right. And here's what I want to tell you. When the sun goes down, it's going to be done no matter what. It'll be fine. Everything will work out just fine. But I've learned this, and I want to share this with you, and then we'll move on to the message. I'll tell you what I've learned in the years, and I've learned that the perfect gift, the perfect gift, whatever that is, varies from house to house. And it varies from person to person. And what would make one child squeal with delight and excitement could very well make the next one have a look of disappointment on their face. 
because it's an individual thing. It's also true of adults, I've learned, by the way. In the passing years, I've learned this. I've learned this over the years. The best gifts, the very best gifts come from people who love you and are close to you and they listen to you because it's a relationship and they listen to your heart. Praise God. You believe Amen. that? Amen, brother. The very best gifts come from people who love you, they're close to you, they care about you, and they listen to your heart. And so these are the these are the people who give you the very best gifts. They know what you like. It's awesome. It's awesome. Don't, don't you agree? Yeah, thank you for the straw, Janet. This is the best present I've gotten so far. <laughs> We've heard you. We've heard you and we care. Aren't those the best gifts? They don't have to be expensive. They don't have to be. It's just the people that care. They love you. They care about you. They listen to your heart. They know you. And they give you something, and it means so much. Now, through the years, I've, I've uh, really been blessed. I have had a blessed life. I would say that to anybody, anywhere. And that, that means different things to different people. But I'm telling you, from my heart, my soul, my perspective, my childhood, my adult life, I have been blessed. And uh, I've blessed in this life with many friends here and there, by the way. And some are not here anymore, and, and many are. And I've been given a lot of gifts in my life, a lot of gifts. Some were tremendous in, in uh, monetary value, some were not so much, but the sentimental things are important to me. But the meaning and the value of each of these gifts is directly correlated to the relationship of the giver. It always is true with a gift. And isn't that right? That's right. And it's the same for you and for me. Those are my surmisings through the years, and I believe that's true of mankind, true of people. Blessed I am, I say that clearly, and blessed I'll be. As a pastor, uh, my life is a different journey from most. Um, I'm loved by some for sharing the word of God and, and hated by others for the same reason. It's, it's interesting and it's fascinating. But at the end of the day, when I, lay my, when I lay me down, I talk to the Lord and I say, Lord, did I please you? Did I please you today? Oh, I know some people just pleased with me today. Did I please you today? Did I tell the truth? Was I honest? Was it from a heart of compassion and love? Was it the truth to help them in the future? And uh, it's fascinating. It's a wonderful life. I, I never would have believed as a child the Lord would have called me to this, and I never would have volunteered for the job, but it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life. But today's message is not about me so much as it is about us, and, and I want you to get your part out of this. In this message, we all stand on equal ground. It's not about preacher and, and lay person or, or one over another. It's about this, what God does for everyone, the gift of God. So we're going to talk about gifts today, the gift of God, a special gift, a perfect gift. And so as we, in my estimation at least, this is true, you get the best gifts from people who know you the most and love you the best. 
Those are the ones you get the gift from that matter. Now this God, God, He, God, who is God, and I'm telling you, that's going to be something we have to train the young people to believe in today's society, that God is God. It sounds foolish, but that's, that is the war, the war of darkness. But this God, who is God, and the creator of everything, the one who knows and the one who cares, loves you. He loves you and he loves me. Now, isn't that a perfect formula for a perfect gift giver? Amen, brother. That's what I've learned in life. And the Bible teaches that's exactly who God is, the perfect gift giver. The Bible says in James 1 and 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Again, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights in whom is no variableness. He doesn't change and no shadow of turning. He doesn't even look like he's going to turn. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he is the giver of the good and perfect gifts. Uh, that's what people are looking for this time of year. I'm not good at that. I get a perfect gifts. I don't think so much. I'm very utilitarian in my life. I've given shoes, tools. I learned early on when you're married, don't give anything with a cord. Don't give a don't give a blender, mixer, a duster, or a vacuum cleaner. Don't do that, men. Don't do that. If you did that, take it back. Get something else. Don't do that. What is the perfect gift? I want you to listen to a verse we know so well from this standpoint today, from this, from this perspective. It's Ephesians 2.8, and you know it by heart. It's, for by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Is God a good gift giver? Does he love us? Does he know us? Does he know what the best gifts are. For by grace are you saved through faith, and, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now, our salvation is a gift, pure and simple. Salvation is a gift, pure and simple. Now, that, that message sounds so um, elementary that most pastors tell me I hate to preach on that very often because everybody knows, so, knows it so well. I found out most people don't know it that well. For by grace are you saved. It's the grace of God. It's not by anything that you can do. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about what we can offer him. It's about what he has so freely chosen to offer us. And it's a gift. Pure and simple gift. And so the question today is this, at Christmas time, any time during a relationship with someone, and particularly with God above, who is the Father and the giver of all good and perfect gifts, what do you do with a gift? What do you do when you are given a gift? In my lifetime, I've known a lot of different answers, a lot of, a lot of variety to how people receive a gift. Some won't receive it. Others won't open it. Others open it and give it back to you. Others 
and it goes on and on. Many people will open it, smile at you, thank you, put it somewhere, and it's between, between us and the trash can, and it works its way that way until it finally falls in. How men read Christmas cards. <laughs> you lean leaning toward the trash. Oh, that is nice. What do women do? They hang in the doorways. That's what you want. Set them everywhere. There's a flat surface. It needs something on it. What do you do with gifts? What do you do with a gift? It, it has to do with what it means to you, doesn't it? It has to do with what that gift means. And the giver, it has to do with what the giver means to you and what the gift now means to you. And so what do we do with God's gift? For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's nothing that you did. Your salvation, you, you had no part in that except receiving the grace to receive the gift. And by the way, it takes grace to receive a gift. It takes grace to be a receiver. And um, I haven't always been the best at that. It takes grace to be a good receiver. It takes love to be a good giver and grace to be a good receiver. And so, I want to know if we're sure this morning it, we think that way of salvation is it's simply a gift, pure and simple, and it's by grace. The next verse says, it's not of works, lest any man should boast. I was working with a young man about a month ago in our yard, in my yard, in his yard. <coughs> and um, he poo-poos the entire idea of, of organized religion. Well, when I told him I do too, it shocked him. I said, so do I. He said, what? And I said, well, I'm against that. Organized religion. And he said, you are? Well, how do you preach? And I said, well, some say tremendous. I don't know. I just... <laughs> I think I, I, I gave the best message I know how. And I preached from the Word of God. He said, well, that, that don't make any sense. And I said, that, you don't even know what you're saying. You don't know the words that you're using. He said, I don't go to church. My wife goes to this church. I don't go because I'm against organized religion. Well, so am I. And I believe God is. You know, who, you know who he fought the entire time he ministered here on earth? Organized religion. He said the children and the common people heard him gladly. And even his disciples tried to push the children back and say this. He get back and this is, he, the master is busy. He said, oh, don't forbid the children to come. That's who the kingdom is made of. Now aren't you glad you're a child of God? Aren't you glad you're a child of the kingdom and that's who the kingdom's made of is people like us. Amen, you know who children are? These little people who trust and who love openly and who will say things because they believe it's true and not to be malicious, but because that's the little minds are thinking and that's what they believe. And Jesus said, we would let them come to me. I want them to know what love is. Love is trust. Somewhere in the yard we're working, I'm telling you the story. I never finish my stories, I hear, so I'll finish this one. And he says, I don't understand what you're talking about. How do you preach if you don't believe in organized religion? I said, I believe in a grateful relationship. 
Organized religion is what's wrong with this world. Grateful relationship is what's right with this world. Amen. I'll tell you that. And he goes, man, you are out there. <laughs> and I said, yes, I am. Because I don't want to be in there. Can I tell you that? God didn't call me to dress up and look a certain way every Sunday and wear a certain thing and, and, and stand a certain way and, and use certain words. He didn't call me that. He said, I chose you with your personality and your time from your family background, with your education, with your understanding, with your heart to tell them what I tell you and love them enough to see them through their answers. Love them enough to give them some time and some room. Don't back down. Don't be hateful. Tell the truth, but love them along the way and give them time to let them grow. They all come from a different place than you do. He's been preparing me since I was four years old. He brought tragedy and fear into my life. He drove me right to his lap. Events in my life and your life and yours is different than mine, I understand that. But here's what he said. I'm choosing you because you're you. I don't want you to look and smell and act and walk and talk like somebody else. I'm choosing you to give them what I give you and love them through the answers. I do. I do. I love you anyway. I love me anyway. He loves me anyway. Very few people get anything on the first run. Salvation is not of works. It's not because we're good, we're smart, we're handsome, we dress better, we have a position, we have an amount of money. We have, it's not about any of that. He said, God loves us. and said, I created you to be with me for eternity. And I'm going to give you a gift. And the gift is, all you have to do is want to come. That's all you have to do. You don't have to be good, bright, smart, rich, famous, good-looking. You don't have to be any of that stuff. You just have to want to come. And I'm going to do one more thing for you. I'm going to draw you. I'm going to give you the reasons why coming with me is better than not. And he gives the whole package. When I discovered that as a young person, I couldn't believe everybody in the world would want to hear that message. That's been 35 years ago. <laughs> I still can't believe it, but I know that it's not true. Most people don't want to hear that message. I don't know why. To this day, I don't understand why. I feel like from Sunday to Sunday, from day to day, in my workplace, and from relationship to relationship, I can say to my if people I'm talking to, you have stage 4 cancer, and I have a pill that will make you well. You have a terminal disease that's going to eat your flesh and you're going, you're going to die shortly in a painful way. Except I have this pill here that if you'll just take this pill, you'll be whole and well and young and healthy again. And 95% of people say, I don't want that pill. That's what I feel like in this world. I am not the answer, but I certainly know what it is. It's Jesus Christ. I don't, I am not the answer. My life is not to be followed. I am not the example, but I know who is. And I bring him to you the best I can Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. 
Now this one, this not only not only is not our works involved in our salvation. I want you to listen to this. It's in verse of Acts, verse 18, beginning the book of Acts 8 and verse 18. It says, When Simon saw that through laying on of the apostles' hands the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, saying this, uh, Give me this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands he may receive the Holy Ghost. And Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Now there's two things in there that are striking to the young Christian, and it means more the older we get. One is this. He said the Holy Ghost is a gift of God. He said the Holy Ghost is God's gift. And number two, it is not for sale. You can't buy it. Wouldn't that be something? Oh, I want to receive the Holy Spirit. I want the power. I want the, I want the strength given, the, the character building power. I want the understanding of the Word through the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord says, well, how much money you got? How fair would that be? How fair would that be? And God said, it's not for sale. I'll give it to you. Got a requirement. You've got to want it. You've got to want it. You ever given a gift to someone who didn't want it? I grew up in a home, I saw that a lot. My dad wasn't a good gift receiver. He would just look at you and go, hmm, you like that? Amen, brother. That's what he said to many people. He'd open something, look at it, and say, I don't need that sitting around my house. If you think that's something, you can have it. What it was. And I watched that, and I said, Dad, you're supposed to receive. And he said, that'd be wasteful. They apparently wanted that. And they wanted you to have it. He said, all I know is that would not be used here. My dad was good at no clutter. When you have a two-bedroom home and 12 kids, <laughs> you don't pile stuff up. The way he said to clean house, well, he'd put his arm out and walk across it and wipe it off. Now, when you dust that and wax it, it'll be clean. I didn't say rearrange the stuff. That's the house I grew up in. And my dad said this, he'd give him a gift, and he said, I think that would suit you better than me. And hand it back to you. There's got to be some grace in receiving. There needs to be grace in receiving. But when I was a little boy, 10 years old, God, God spoke to my heart in a pew in a little church with 20 people in it. And he said, This is what I have for you. Will you take it? preacher was preaching on John 3.16. It was his third Sunday out of four on one verse. It was a series on John 3.16. And the third Sunday, the Lord hit me. It was like somebody just took her fist and hit me right in the chest. And my heart felt like it was going to explode. And the Lord said, this is my gift to you. Will you take it? Man, my head went into a flurry. I thought, God, God's going to give me, God wants me to have that. The preacher said it again. And it's like he was talking to me that day because every time I had a question, he answered it in the sermon. I'd have another little question, he'd answer it in the sermon. I said, can it really be true? And he said, you probably might not even believe this is true, but this is the truth of the matter. And he spoke to me the entire message. Now, I don't know if I heard what everybody else heard, but I know this. God spoke to me that day and told me, I have a gift for you. Will you receive it? Now, we brought up where I saw a lot of answers to gifts and a lot of 
ways to receive or not receive, and I told the Lord this. If I'm hearing it right, I'm in. Oh, I want that. Can I tell you, he gave it to me. He gave it right to me. Now, for those of us who understand this, and we realize we can't buy it, and it's not something that we can work for, The understanding of that brings one thing that I've seen in people who really have an understanding, a grateful heart. A grateful heart. You want to know why some people don't have a grateful heart? You want to know why some people are always negative and all they can look at is all the people in the world that are doing the wrong things but they never do anything to fix it but grumble and gripe and, oh yeah, put out some stuff on Facebook. You want to know why those people act that way? <clears throat> Because they really don't understand the gift of God. No real, deep, heartfelt, soul-shaking experience with this. I'm given that gift by grace. And I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. For a preacher to stand before a crowd morning after morning and deliver a message he really fully realized he doesn't deserve to speak is quite a thing. I have no more right to be here than the worst person downtown. No more. Except God called me. Praise God. No more. People threaten me in my lifetime. This, you're going to say that about me? Well, I know. I remember when you. I remember when you did this and, and did that. Well, I do too. Can I tell you this a secret? Don't let this out of the building. I'm a sinner. Okay. Don't don't go out that door and tell anybody. This is the biggest secret in town. Uh, your preacher's a sinner. Many of you have sinned with, and so you know it to be true. I have said things. I have done things that wasn't of the Holy Spirit. It wasn't his work. It wasn't his motive. And so interesting it is. It's surely, and we read that in John chapter 4. We read that Christ was with the woman at the well, Jacob's well in Samaria. You remember that story? The, the disciples go to town and, and they go, and the Lord says, go get some meat and cheese. I'm, we're tired. And he said, I'm, I'm weary. And he said, I'm going to rest here at the well. And a woman comes. A Samaritan woman. And Jesus is there. And he says, he says to the woman, would you draw me a drink from the well? And she said, why are you asking me? I'm a Samaritan. Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. I'm not up to your grade. Oh, she knew how much that was true. And the Lord said, if you knew the gift of God, and who it was that asked, you'd ask him, and he would give you the gift of living water. Folks, occasionally, you'll read, a, you'll read a verse in the Bible that will grab you. It's the Holy Spirit. It's your day. It's time. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit say it's your day. I'm going to give you something today. And once in a while, you'll read a, you'll read a verse that you have to chew on for some time. And that one was surely one of those when I was a younger man. I still do. If you knew the gift of God and who it was that said unto you, 
give me a drink. If you'd ask me for the living water. You know what he told her within the conversation? You worship, you know not what. Folks, that's the trouble with America. I'm ashamed to say this, it's the trouble with much of the church. Any person who says, I'm going to do, do what I want to do, no matter what the Lord says, worships they know not what. They don't know the gift of God or who it was that said it to them. Not really. Not really. I mean, I'm in an experience that just rocks your soul and says this. Give, tell me. Tell me. Tell me. And he said, I've told you. I've given you more explanations than you can count. I've already told you. Look in there. Any person who has an aversion to this does not understand the gift of God and who it is that speaks. Understand? Does that sound harsh? When I was a boy, I remember watching things on television, and I saw some things like um, Elvis Presley, and one time even Frank Sinatra. And the women would pass out. They would scream and pass out. If I was beside them with that screaming, they might go out a different way. They would scream and pass out because Frank Sinatra was singing. And there are people who don't clearly even understand who Christ is. It's amazing to me. And so what he said to her was, if you perceived and understood, this word newest, if you knew, if you knew the gift of God, if you could perceive in your mind, if you could really grasp the idea and understand who it is, that offers you this thing. Listen now. We're coming to this season. Isaiah 9 and 6 says, For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. The humanity was born. The son was a gift. Do you think that just, Isaiah just said it that way because it sounded good? The son was given. And here's the promise, and it goes right. Here's the fascinating. He goes from, in his prophecy and his truth, he goes from the birth of Jesus Christ right into the kingdom, the millennial reign. Here's what he says in the same verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. When you go back farther in Isaiah, the wonderful counselor is all one. His name is wonderful. That's one of his names, and counselor is another. But when you go back to the last of the prophecy, Isaiah closes his book with this. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And there's a difference. Where do we get our understanding? What do we believe as Christians? When people come in... And uh, the conversations are interesting to me. They're fascinating indeed. But when people come to me and hear they heard something, I say, where did you hear that? Uh, the source often tells on itself. Dr. Laura. Well, okay. You remember being a child reading Ann Landers and Dear Abby? Their answers are hideous. Their answers are hideous. I remember reading one day of Ann Landers or Abby, weren't they sisters? Well, they thought alike. They did, they, or they didn't think alike. 
One of them got in a controversy because Billy Graham had a had a, a question answer thing in the paper, and he gave an answer they didn't like. And dear Abby said, "Oh, you can't listen to that. You have to listen to your head." He's speaking with the heart. That's a different thing. He's he's wrong on that one. I hate to call down someone so widely known, but he doesn't understand what he's talking about. If you want to go out and have your little playtime, you do that because God understands no matter what he says. Can I tell you this? Be careful of the source of your information and you have a Bible there in your lap. Okay, let's finish this message. His name is wonderful. For God so loved the world, You know the rest of it, don't you? That he gave his son. The biggest word in that sentence to me is so. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He gave us his son. He didn't give us his son just to be adored. He gave us his son to be brutalized, abused, tortured, and killed. Bloodletted, beaten, spit upon, mocked and ridiculed, slapped in the face, hit in the mouth, and then said this to him with a blindfold on a bleeding man whose beard had been pulled out by handfuls, swollen, beaten, battered. Prophesy and say who it is that hits you in the mouth. Can you imagine standing before Christ one day and him going, That was you? That was you. How'd you see me? So, yeah. When you read your Bible, you find some fascinating things, and one of them is this. Heaven itself and the glory of God and the creation of God testified to who Jesus is. If you read Luke chapter 2, you will find at midnight, a star shone and made it like noonday. You remember that? When he was born and the wise men came, followed the star, the star was so brilliant that at midnight it was like noonday. And then when he died, noonday was covered up, looked like midnight. In his coming, the light came in. In his leaving, the light went out. And heaven did that for us. It showed us the heavens declare the glory of God. His, his handiwork. He said, this is my son. I want you to see him. Turn the light on. There he is. That's the one. That's him. And they said, we have found him. We have found him. We have found him. And then he turned the lights off. It was time for the cross for three hours. It was darker than midnight. And the disciples said, we've lost him. We've lost him. We've lost him. And Jesus said, I'm still here. I'm still here. They can't kill me. What I want to say is God gives a gift. He never takes it back. God does not take his gift back. And so, we find that God gave his son. This is wonderful because we look at the Bible and we find through all the passages we put together and the scriptures that we know that God gave his son so Jesus is a gift. 
find what Peter said in 2 and 38 of Acts. He says, Now repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Christ is a gift. Salvation is a gift. For by grace are you saved. It is the gift of God. Jesus is a gift. God gave His Son. The Holy Spirit is a gift. So what's the perfect gift? Salvation is a gift. Jesus Christ is a gift. The Spirit of God is a gift. The book of Ephesians is chapter 1. You read that carefully, you'll find out the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives comes to indwell. And he says he's sealed in you until the day of redemption. Folks, that's why you cannot go to hell. You can't go to hell. The Holy Spirit is not going to hell. And he's sealed inside of you. You may turn out to be the worst sinner in the world after salvation. That's going to be a loss of rewards and you're going to deal with Christ in the judgment. But you'll not go to hell. Isn't that a gift? Amen. You can act like you've lost your mind. And if you act like that, you have lost your mind, by the way. But still, you're not going to go to hell because you're sealed to the day of redemption. And so what could be better? What could be better? What could be better than that? So I'm asking this morning, and I close with this, are you grateful this morning for the gift of salvation, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit? And how do we show that? Paul said to be careful of two things in, in his writings. One is, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19, he says, quench not the Spirit. We show our gratitude for the gift that we receive by not quenching it. And that word means to extinguish it. Don't pour water on the fire of the Holy Spirit. Don't put the fire out. Ephesians 4 and 30, Paul says this, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Now the grieving is an interesting word. It means don't distress him. Don't make him sad. Don't cause a continual heaviness in the Holy Spirit. And don't make him sorry. I just got to do what I got to do. You're telling me you're a Christian? God saved me. He did? Oh, he did. What are you going to do now? What I want to do. Why do you care? Can you imagine to cause the Holy Spirit to be sorrowful? To be grieved and vexed? And it not matter to you? And you're telling me you're a Christian? If you can treat people that way, you have a problem. If you can treat God that way, you've got a big problem. People who can do things that they know are going to heart, hurt the heart of and grieve people and could care less. Now, there's a name for those people in our world today, but I'm going to tell you that it's just selfishness. Absolute me, me, me. If you can do that with people and not feel bad, you're sick. If you can do it to God... I don't think sick is the term. I don't think sick would cover it. But you're going you're gonna to cover me with everything, and I'm going to tell you this. I'm going home. I'm going to go lay down and go to bed in my bed, and I'm going to talk to God, but you don't hurt me. You don't hurt me. you believe that? 
people ask me all the time, I'll give them a verse, I'll tell them a, a passage, a doctrine. You believe that? And I say, yes, I do. And I don't believe any of that. Do you know when standing before the Lord, when there's no turning around, when there's no recovery from a bad choice? This is what Paul said to young Timothy. Young preacher. Apparently they were telling him that the old men were running him in circles. <laughs> and I used to not understand that passage, so I got into ministry and the old guys started pushing me around. And this is what I said. I was a young guy, so this is what I said, very respectfully. No. And they said, you're going to do it this way or this way. And I said, no, I'm not going to do it that way. And they said, we're, we've been in church 45 years. And I said, well, then you should have learned something. Get back and leave me alone. We're going to do it this way. No. And the fuss was on. Can I tell you this, though? There have been many of those in my life, and not one was a soul winner. They blocked salvation. They were the ones who blocked people from coming to Christ. Arrogant, ignorant, boastful. And every one of them had one thing in common as I'm older. They were at the end of their road and they'd done nothing for Christ and they were trying to make a big explosion at the end of the a Big Bang. And never, not one of them got it done. And Paul said this to Timothy, until I come, and boy, I know, I called my preacher and said, they're pushing me. Oh, they're pushing me. He said, who's pushing you? And I'm telling people, you're bigger than them. <laughs> and I said, they're pushing me, man. They're pushing me. And I wanted to call my preacher. I wanted to go cry in his lap and hold his hand and pray with him. And until I could get there, here's the answer. Paul said, until I come, until I can come and, and, and uh, assure you in person, I want you to hear this from me. Paul said to the young preacher, until I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. And my pastor, my pastor said to me, 1 Timothy or 4 and 13, read it again. Read it again. He said, until I come, give attendance to reading and to exhortation to doctrine. Verse number 14. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the presbytery. He said, God called you to preach? I said, hey, uh, John, I know he did. He said, did he call you? I said, I know he did. He said, you sure you're called? I said, yes, I'm sure. He said, then you get in there and you preach with the gift of God given to you from God himself. And you tell those old men to shut it and sit down, however you got to tell them. He said, be as kind as you can, but don't let it happen. Don't do it. If they were called, they would have done something 40 years ago. Go in there and preach what God told you to preach. Neglect not the gift that is given unto you. And he says, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear unto all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now, from the Holy Spirit, and we're just at the end. The Holy Spirit said, In Hebrews 2 and 3, I believe it was Paul, it doesn't matter, it was the Holy Spirit. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? 
I read that like most people read it for 30 years. How shall we escape if we don't get saved? Here's what I know now. What are we going to say to Christ if we neglect after being saved the gift of salvation? Most people buy gifts at this time of year and they wrap them up and they put them under a tree and during the season the family comes either in shifts or all one day and all the gifts are open. But almost always there's a gift left under the tree. Someone didn't come. Someone didn't show. It's an unreceived gift. It just sits there. It sits there for days. The tree goes down, the, the decorations are put away, but there's this gift and it keeps moving around the house usually until somebody can be gotten to. Can you imagine standing before Christ saying this? I never used the gift you gave me. I've gotten gifts I put in drawers and forgot about them. I've gotten gifts I never quite knew how to use them. I've gotten gifts I've used every day or several times a day. There's different kinds of gifts, but I know this. The Lord says, through the Holy Spirit, how shall we escape retribution? How shall we escape the judgment of Jesus Christ? How shall we escape the scathing eye of Jesus if we neglect the salvation? That is, I received it, but I put it over there and just didn't use it much. I didn't, uh, I didn't attend to it, and I let it just go to... Do you know why people are upset with each other? They feel neglected. You know what happens to homes and cars and businesses and everything else when you neglect them? In real estate, when I come to sell your house and the windows are falling out and the shutters are gone and, and the paint's peeling and the side the floor's cracked and the, and the uneven sidewalk, here's what we call it, deferred maintenance. Well, you didn't keep up with it along the way, so it's going to cost you like $40,000 now out of your total sales. They're going to ask for repair, and you can either give it to them up front or, or have it done, but you have to maintain this and get it to standard. It's called deferred maintenance. This should never be with a Christian in the gift of salvation. I'm asking you today, aren't you grateful for the gifts that God gave you? Aren't you grateful? Aren't you grateful? Aren't you glad that He gave you, first of all, salvation, second, Jesus Christ came as a gift from God, created that ability to be saved, and then he said this, because of that I give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to seal him inside of you, and no matter how crazy you act, no matter how much you neglect me, you won't go to hell, but you will stand before me and give an account for why you didn't count me worthy of your time. Don't you love him? Don't you want to give it to him? Your time, your effort, all that you have. Give it to him. He'll use it. He'll make better use of everything that we have, including ourselves, and we can. He'll make great use of all of our resources. I say that. I can preach that freely in this church. This is the most giving group I've ever preached to. Is that right? That's right. This is the most giving group I've ever preached to. But it's the most eclectic group of people I've ever known. We scatter like cockroaches and when someone lifts the, lifts the plywood. We don't know each other outside of here very much. We don't have a lot of, of interpersonal fellowship to, to my, uh, my, it's my fault. 
But I want to say this. The most giving group I've ever heard. So-and-so's in trouble. Well, they need. It's a wonderful group. And I can say this. Don't neglect your salvation gift. Do not. I'm so grateful to be here with you. I'm so glad to know you people and be able to preach to you. I'm so grateful for that. But please don't neglect your salvation gift. Don't neglect the Holy Spirit. When He speaks to you, when He prompts you to do something, do it. Do it. Oh, you'll be glad you did it. You'll be glad. Father, we just thank you now for this time. Thank you for this group of wonderful people. Thank you for the gift of salvation and Christ and the Holy Spirit in our lives. And help us to be people who understand the value of the gifts given. Help us to properly assimilate, appropriate those things that you've given to us. That we will not hate the world around us, but pity them. We will not want everybody dead, destroyed, and, and taken out of our path, but to receive Jesus Christ and come to an understanding. Father, we just pray if they won't come, remove them. We understand. That's, that's our heart. But Lord, if there's a chance, if there's a hope, may we be the ones who bring the message. I pray that one day a great, great movement of the Holy Spirit comes out of this group. Lord, we thank you for the privilege of coming together and hearing your word. Bless us now as we look forward to the birth of our Savior. We look forward to it every day. But with the entire world, we say we are grateful. Thank you for the gifts. In Jesus' name, amen.